1: In today's show, we'll be talking with Aubrey Daniels, a legend in business thought leadership and author of many best selling books in business. He has just released a new third edition of his mainstay book titled Bringing Out the Best in People How to Apply the Astonishing Power of Positive Reinforcement. Aubrey will be sharing with us some of the findings in a scientific approach to leadership and performance management. Good morning, Shai. Good morning, Craig. Hey, it's a great day to take care of business. Shy, I understand we have a winner of the drawing for our listener feedback survey.
2: Yeah, we sure do. And the winner of our feedback contest is Teresa Hughes. She's one of our U.S. listeners from Peoria, Arizona. And we're very happy to give Teresa an Amazon gift card. We hope you enjoy it very much. We want to thank you for everyone who participated. We got a lot of great feedback. You know, Craig, and speaking of feedback, what do you think is one of the biggest challenges for business owners in terms of managing people?
1: You know, getting the right behaviors that they're looking for, and there's habits and there's behaviors and getting some uniformity there. But it's a major challenge of working with their teams and working with the different cast of players on their teams. Continuous challenge and one that our guest today has a specific focus on in human behaviors. Our guest today is Aubrey Daniels. Aubrey is a longtime international authority on human behavior in the workplace. He is the author of six best-selling books, including his newly released third edition to his book titled, Bringing Out the Best in People, How to Apply the Astonishing Power of Positive Reinforcement. Aubrey is the founder and chairman of the board of the consulting firm ADI, a company focused on business and workplace performance based in Atlanta, Georgia. Well, good morning, Aubrey. Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Good morning. Hope you had a great weekend. How did it go?
3: I did. I did. I worked most of the weekend with the honeydew stuff, but uh, <laughs> that need to be done.
1: I understand. One of the first things that caught me when looking at your book, I have to bring this forward first. Uh, tell us about the special person you dedicated your book to. Yeah. I, I caught this in your book at the beginning, and you dedicated it to your mother. And when I did the calculation, oh, yeah. she was 103 and uh, recently 102, passed.
3: 102. She oh, wow. died in uh, April lived a good life, a long life, and I hope I have her genes.
1: Oh, I hope you do too. <laughs> That's wonderful. So looking at the book and reading through, which is excellent, you know, bringing out the best in people, what inspired you to write the original edition?
3: Well, I'm a psychologist by background and practice for a number of years and went into business. And, you know, when you look at the way companies are managed, you can see right off in some that they're managing in a way that doesn't cause people to be excited about what they're doing. And even if they get good results from their standpoint, what they could get is lacking. So I take the book from a standpoint of science. What does science really tell us about how to set up an environment that causes people to do their best? And quite frankly, most companies aren't set up that way.
1: And so I imagine a number of changes have taken place to prompt you to bring out the third edition. What changes are you seeing
3: that's an interesting question because i'm 81 years old and i tell people all the time that with technology like this morning i had to call somebody else in to say hey help me get on but in terms of the science of behavior it hasn't changed and i learn new stuff every day and with the book i found that the second edition came out in 2002 and in the intervening years a lot has changed in business so some of the examples i gave in the second edition were no longer relevant i mean. People say, what is that? (laughs) It's amazing to me that stuff that I think is well known by everybody turns out not to be. So I had to update some examples and talk about some current issues like engagement. I need to talk about it in a different way. But the science remains the same. Something you think everybody would know, but in fact, they don't. I've said a number of times, if you tell management, be more positive, that's probably the worst advice you can give them. Because if you're positive at the wrong time, you get more of the wrong thing. And simple-minded as that is, and everybody professed to know that, They don't practice it. I wrote the book Oops several years ago, and it's called 13 Managed Practices that Waste Time and Money. And it's strange that most systems were set up in a way to cause people to stumble rather than to help them do better. In other words, the systems are set up for the business and not for the people. And you have to have them both. Because if they don't, then they will not do their best, sometimes intentionally, but most of the time just inadvertently because the system will get in their way. So we try to help organizations simplify what they do and, you know, look at what is the business set up to accomplish and then what behavior would it take to make that happen.
2: Aubrey, this is really your life work as behavioral science and trying to understand why people do what they do and help organizations understand that and perform better. Right. So after all this time studying this, why are we still getting this wrong? Why are we so bad at this?
3: <laughs> well... You know, that's something that has perplexed me, you know, most of my life because, in fact, you know, as a clinical psychologist, I started doing this and, and I separate cognitive psychology, which is most of what we've been taught, from behavioral psychology. And there are just so many myths about behavioral psychology that it's not concerned about feelings and, you know, this kind of thing that has gotten in its way. And so people don't hear the message. They're turned off when they see something behavioral. And, and many businesses have been successful in the ways that they run the business. And so they say, well, why do I need this? And the reason they need it, of course, that they only get a fraction of what they could get. We talk a lot about discretionary effort, and that is, what could people do if they were properly motivated? And if, if you ask people, could you do more if you were properly motivated, they always say yes. And so many businesses are leaving a lot of good effort on the table and for a variety of reasons. but most of them are just in terms of the way they're treated. And treating somebody well and treating somebody in a way that they'd be more productive is not the same thing. Because you could have a benevolent leader and still have an organization that doesn't perform very well. You know, years ago, I did a program with MIT working with entrepreneurial companies. And there were about 60 people in the class. And I asked them, I said, how many of you started your own company because you felt you were undervalued or underappreciated for what you did? And all but three people raised their hand. And I said, what business model did you use to start your company? And it's one of those head-slapping moments where everybody kind of looks with a slack jaw and hits their forehead, you know, because they realize I have set up a company and run it in the same way the one I left and hated. And
2: can almost hear the business owners listening to our show shaking their heads.
3: Yeah, you know, like... <laughs> And, of course, these were young people, and they would literally follow me to my my car, you know, just one more question kind of thing. And I think when when most people hear about this or read about it, it makes a lot of sense because it is a rational process. I was trained as a Freudian. I know all that way of approaching problems, and, of course, it had no relevance in business at all. And when people get into a behavioral way of looking at, at what goes on, it makes a lot more sense to them, number one. Number two, behavior can be changed. If you know what behaviors you're trying to get people to do more of or less of, then it's pretty simple how you go about doing that. But until you know that, it's not obvious. What happens is that in many businesses, the results are divorced from the things they do every day. And we try to make that connection so that they set up an environment that causes people to do their best. Most of the processes, systems, and management practices that go on today don't bring out their best. You know, there's a TED Talk that I like, by a fellow by the name of Ricardo Simler. He's a Brazilian. And the title of his talk is How to Run a Company with Almost No Rules. And that's exactly what I think young people are looking at today, that the rules are always made to favor the company, not to favor an individual. And if you look at them, there's just lots of ways that turn people off. And so we try to say, wait a minute, if we've got an employee that's going to help us increase the value of the organization, then what would help that person? And I think that if you look at young people today, they expect more collaboration because that's been their life. They've worked with other people and found that no one of us is as smart as all of us. And so to have a management style that accepts advice from frontline employees is kind of strange to them. That is, when we want to be engaged, and then we give nothing to be engaged for. You know, if you have a company where you're told what to do every time, how can you be engaged? And I hear it all the time where people say, well, nobody ever asked me. And yet, I've heard it said many, many times that the person knows most about a job is the person doing it. And then we never ask them.
1: believe one of the things I've noticed in reading your book is that you highlight a number of issues in today's management. And one of those is the variety of management styles, or yep. I do it my way, so that a number of managers have their own style and method that they've brought from other companies. Right. And... And so they come into this environment and they each do their own thing. And you have this almost chaos going on. People wanting to work for a certain manager, not wanting to work for another manager because of a certain style. But I think you highlight an example that I really liked. And given that Shai and I are pilots, it really resonated. And the story you have regards a pilot coming in. They're coming into a land at an airport. And he's announcing to the passengers that... They're landing on this particular runway, but he's decided he's going to do things a little different. He likes this other runway a little better, and so forth. And so he changes it up for his style. Right. And I think it really points up this uh, scientific approach you talk about regarding management and this uniformity within the company on a management style. Want yeah. to talk more about that for us.
3: Well, looking at the science and having a scientific perspective, there are specified ways to cause people to do better, to do something more often, less often, or do something different. And if you think about it, well, I have my own style. That's kind of an arrogant position to take. You know, like, I know everything and you don't, so I'm going to tell you what to do. And if you think about, you know, a pilot, anybody, say, well, I like to do it this way. Well, You might like to do it that way, but if you work here, you're not going to do it that way. Here's what we want to do. And so we try to to get behaviors that we can positively reinforce. And we can avoid a lot of the negatives that we typically get. And if somebody's doing something the wrong way, it's easy to go up to them and say, look, here's my problem. And talk about the way they do things and say, that causes me a problem because of the effect it has on the outcome of your job or the effect it has on other people. So how could we change something that would cause that not to happen?
2: So, Aubrey, I know you have some models you talk about in the book, including the five-step model for rapid change. Can you give us an example of how a business owner can implement this and how they interact with their employees and how they make changes?
3: Well, I think now, probably more than in the beginning, the five-step process is basically a scientific process. Find what the result is, what the behaviors are, how we're going to measure it, how we're going to give feedback to the performers what consequences are going to use, and then how we're going to evaluate it. And there's nothing to say that we couldn't have frontline employees do that. You know, we worked with a client up in upper New York State, and in this plant, toward the end of the line, occasionally they would notice there was an intermittent problem, and they brought in the technical people, and they couldn't find it because it was intermittent, just like uh, you take your car to the dealer and it says it's making this funny noise. They said, well, turn it on, and you turn it on, it doesn't make a funny noise, and that's kind of what they were facing so they brought in company engineers. They couldn't find it. They hired some people from the outside. They couldn't find it. And we were helping them set up teams. And one of the things we taught the supervisors to do is to take your problem to frontline employees. Because they're going to give you a positive response most every time. You say, I have this problem and I need your help in this. And a department said, we're having this problem and I need your help on it. A guy immediately raised his hand and said, I don't know what that is. I said, what is it? He said, well, there's too much pressure on that CO2 line, and said it collects moisture in there. And he said, every now and then I go ahead and let the moisture out. And it turns out that was the issue. They'd spent 18 months working on that. And all they have had to do is to ask people, Well, how can you help me find this problem? Because when a manager came down and said, Why didn't you tell somebody? He said, Well, nobody ever asked me.
2: And Aubrey, how do you get businesses to systemize this process so it's, it becomes something that they do on a regular basis?
3: Well, it sells itself because it works. A number of people say, well, I don't believe this, but they try it, and it works. And so that leads them to do something else. You know, we were working in a transportation center one time, and our consultant said, the manager came in and says um, something about the drivers getting out of the lot at a proper time. They're always late getting out of the lot. And I said, I wish somebody would help me with that. And he did. He helped himself a five-step process in terms of what we're going to measure and How are we going to give feedback to the employees and so on? And within a week, it worked. And he came back with a big stack of papers the next week, and he says, look through these. And he said, what am I looking for? He said, another project. (laughs) Because, you know, he had seen that it worked. And I think that where we've done this, frontline employees can pick this up quicker than supervisors many times uh, because they're closer to the output that you want. But we need to get people to do this more often. And so we find a way to give them feedback. And when I use feedback, I'm talking about a graph. I'm not talking about what we say to somebody, but give them visible indication of how they're doing, so they can see and other people can see whether you're making progress or not.
2: You know, Aubrey, it strikes me that what you're talking about is the same process we apply to measuring other kinds of systems, and for some reason, we just don't apply it to managing people.
3: You're exactly right. You know, we had a guy who read bringing out the best early editions. He was in the Navy. And he thought, hmm, maybe this would work here. And he went through the five steps, and they implemented it, and it worked very well. It worked so well that the ship commander came down and said, what are you doing? And when he told him, he said, well, maybe we need to get everybody else to do this. And so even in an environment like the Navy, he had success with it. And when he got out of the Navy, he, he called me up at his due company and said, I want to start doing this with a company. Well, of course he would, because it worked so well.
1: And Aubrey, are you finding the scientific approach and implementation and measurement, are you finding any differences regarding the multi-generations that make up our teams today?
3: No, because they have several problems in their life, you know, at home, with their kids, with people in the workplace. And lots of times they have problems with people in the workplace that don't act like they should, and they try to improve their relationship with them, and they've been frustrated because what they did didn't work. But when you begin to think about what reinforcement does to behavior, then I should not reinforce that. I should wait until something else happens that's reinforceable. When I asked the people, what management model did you use to start your own company? And then I said, well, the reason you do that is you tend to manage people like you've been managed. When you're going to set up a system, you set up the systems that everybody else had, like performance appraisal. I mean, why do we do this? Nobody likes it. The people who do it don't like it. The people that get it don't like it. And then we continue to do it. I said, why do you do that? There are better ways to do that. And I think that we just don't have good models that people do. And so when an entrepreneur starts a company, they think right away, well, we got to do false appraisal. we got to set stretch goals. we got to have employee of the month and you know, all these kind of things that don't work. I've had many CEOs tell me that I knew that employee of the month didn't work, but I didn't know what to say. I mean, how do you counter it? How do you say, let's stop something positive? But when they do, they find that people respond in a very positive way. I'm glad we got rid of that. How many people get positive reinforced by employee of the month?
1: And your thoughts on how do you tie that performance to the actual compensation and reward? How does that pull together for you?
3: Well, the best compensation plan is a production plan. In other words, people that do paid by the unit rather than a salary actually perform better. Now, most companies are not going to a strict pay-for-performance plan. And what we do is we talk about a modification where your bonuses and your extra money comes from how well you do your job. And employees can have input in that in terms of finding, you know, what, what do I need to do more of to make more money? Well, here's a way you can do that. So the best pay system in terms of what research tells us is one that's closest to the behavior. It's not like you're going to go around with a money belt giving people money But the idea is that we track how well you did the job. It's not fair for somebody to do twice as much as somebody else to get paid the same thing. It's not fair. And yet what happens is, in terms of bonuses, many times if we've got 10 employees and $1,000, we give everybody $100. Well, that's not fair either, because some people do a lot more than others to create the result. And sometimes it's not because they want to, but they just don't understand how their behavior is impacting the outcome. And so we try to get very concrete about this. We, We try to stay out of people's minds but what you do and the way you relate to other people is, in fact, our business. And we need to make sure we're managing the right behaviors.
1: Yeah, that continuous evaluation of how's the performance of our systems or our methods really refine those processes and methodology. The feedback that you mentioned earlier, so many employees never get a chance to be a part of that feedback.
3: Uh, oh, tell me about it. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. <laughs> if they were, they would be more engaged. In the third edition of the Brain Out the Best, I talk about engagement. I said, why is business not up in arms about engagement? Because most people, by their own admission, less than 40% say they're engaged. I mean, why do they leave it on the table?
1: Yeah, without that feedback, you have so much invested in all of the gray matter within the business. Yeah. And if you're not latching into that and if it's not engaged in your business, you're losing tremendous resources. So it's one that we have to deal with all the time. Yeah. And speaking yeah. of time, <laughs> Aubrey, <laughs> uh, we, we want to let you back have your day, too. Well, Aubrey, thank you for joining us today. We really enjoyed a time with you.
3: Well, thank you, Craig. I've enjoyed doing this. it have been nice to have me on. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, and I really enjoyed having you. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners?
3: Well, I can give everybody a copy, a first chapter of the new book, if they would like it. Then I think you have a link you're going to provide. I'd be delighted if they downloaded
1: that. That'd be great. That's great, Aubrey. What we'll do is provide that on our show notes. And thank you so much for joining us today and look forward to chatting with you again. Thank you. Our guest today has been Aubrey Daniels, thought leader and internationally recognized expert on management, leadership, and an authority on human behavior in the workplace. Aubrey's latest book release is the third edition of Bringing Out the Best in People. You can learn more about Aubrey as well as find a link to his free offer to our listeners of the first chapter of his latest book as well as additional content in our show notes at businessownersradio.com.
0: Thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio. We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode along with links and offers in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com. We want to hear your feedback. Please leave comments on this show or suggestions for upcoming episodes. Tell your fellow business owners about the show. And of course, you would love the stars and comments on iTunes. Till next time, keep taking care of business.